This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. I guess this is uh, basically a semi-annual podcast at this point. Uh, I'm here with my good friend, David Wiener. You know him on Twitter and on the Clutch Fans forums as Beamathug, a lawyer here in town in Houston, and really knows his stuff inside and out as far as the cap um, and all things with the Rockets roster and the salaries, and, um, and obviously is a huge fan as well. David, welcome into the pod. Happy to be here as always, Dave. You know, uh, there's so much to talk about. We are basically about 50 games, more or less, into year one of the Russell Westbrook experiment. This is the uh, a Houston Rockets team that's significantly different than the past three seasons uh, of D'Antoni and, and certainly of the past two. He's basically filled that exact role of Chris Paul, and so it's, it's a different style. It's a, there's a contrast in how these two play. What have you seen uh, so far from the Rockets here in uh, about 49 games of 31 and 18, fifth seed in the uh, Western Conference? And I think they're the exact same distance from the eighth seed as they are from the first seed. Um, well, as I think both of us figured um, when we when we last uh, went on the podcast together after the, the Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook trade that um, – the two areas that, that Chris Paul was clearly superior, uh, to, to Russ in were, uh, defense and three point shooting. And I think those have borne out, uh, in the Rockets performance this, this season. Their three point shooting has, has really gone down and their defense has really gone down. Now that's not to say that they haven't improved in other areas. Obviously Russ has improved the pace. Uh, I think the kind of ugly start in part was trying to figure out how to use uh, Westbrook. And I think the the way he's been playing more recently is more conducive to his game of letting him uh, push the pace, uh, play some bully ball, um, especially in small ball lineups. And I, I'm somewhat encouraged by the, the, the way they're playing now. It's just a matter of consistency. They need their shooters, the, the, the ones who are shooters, to, to make their shots. And um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but not overly optimistic. You know, it's I've, I've got some hope, is about the best way I put it, that they could figure out some things. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm still in shock over the deal. I've, I, you know, obviously I think at this point, Really, nobody could say that the Rockets paid market price or the right price. Uh, I mean, you can debate Paul or Westbrook, um, you know, all you want as far as who fits better with the Rockets. I think it's it's obvious, but I think uh, you, you can't really debate that the price that they paid was was high. I mean, they they gave up, to, you know, all the, the four draft pick obligations, two first round picks. Um, I think that is probably something that's. At this point in the books now, the Rockets overpaid. However, I think that they're just going to have to change a lot of things to, to make this work. I, I'm holding out a little bit of hope. I, I think certainly Westbrook it, it brings tons of energy. I think he's probably a better on-the-court leader uh, than Harden. I think Harden's probably more efficient. Uh, I think Westbrook, to me, is a guy who symbolizes you know, work hard, that he definitely displays that. I think Harden, on the other hand, is work smart, you know, not necessarily work so hard. And I think that's that's the contrast in styles. It's just for me, David, it's it's just so tough to watch because, you know, we've they're they're good. They're just not as good as we've seen in the, the past Rocket teams, um, you know, certainly offensively and defensively. I think they're on par with where they were last year. It's it's hard to tell because of that mellow stretch, which was so skewed and so poor, Um defensively last year but 
But more or less, you know, after Mello and, and the point on the rest of the season, they're similar. Um, this this season's team and last year's team as far as defensive rating. Um, but offensively, they're down. This is uh, in D'Antoni's era this, with the Rockets. This is the lowest, you know, offensive rating that they've had. Not by a lot, but it is the, the lowest of any of the four teams that D'Antoni's had here. So it's just tough. I mean, you, you would hope if you're giving up four draft picks, and I should say two first-round picks and two swaps, and all the things that they did in the future to make that deal happen, you want to make a leap forward, and, and right now they haven't. They're very similar, in my opinion, to, to last year's team when they were sort of going through their struggles. Well, in, in fairness, Dave, though, part of the, part of the discrepancy or the difference in, in valuation, I guess, from the Rockets' standpoint in making the trade was never going to be evident this year was going to be evident two years from now. Real? Where do you get that from? Well, just uh, Russell Westbrook's what two and a half, three years younger than Chris Paul. That that it, it was going to stretch out their window at least another year. At least I think that's what their thinking was. That that you know, thirty-one-year-old Russ is going to give them a bigger window than thirty-four-year-old Chris Paul. And so 34-year-old Chris Paul is still a hell of a player, but what is 36-year-old Chris Paul going to look like? And I'm not saying I necessarily agree with all, all this, but it's it's at least a logical line of, of thinking that the, that the team may have uh, may have been going down when they decided to give up all these uh, draft picks. That I think we're, we're both in agreement that the, the price was too high. Um, you know, that's not an indictment of Russ, but that the price was too high. And, and I'm, you know, you have to find some logic behind this. And, and I, I think that's one area where you could, you could point to that, um, expanding that window with a, a younger player, uh, will hopefully help them. And which is why I don't want to, I don't want to pass final judgment on the trade in the first year. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes. I see what your your point was. I thought you were saying, hey, you can't expect to to contend until a, you know a year or two down the road. And I I see what you're saying. You're saying the the window's longer, and that you know that may be the case. We'll see how Westbrook holds up. Certainly, he's he's looked pr- pretty darn good lately. I think, you know, as far as Westbrook doing what Westbrook does, he's doing it very well lately. It's just still a matter of whether this is the fit. I mean, you you I guess what I'm saying is. I feel like what we've watched from the Rockets the last three years is like they've been on the keto diet or something and they're just, they've lost weight. They're in (laughs) great shape. And it's like, they've just added carbs for no reason. They've just said, Hey, let's add some carbs. Let's see how, how this pans out. And it's just, it's tough to watch because, you know, I was, I was watching the game, you know, the other day here against the Pelicans and a couple of times Russ out of nowhere, just pulls up from 18 feet and granted, you know, the Rockets do want to mix in occasional mid-range here or there. Chris Paul did the same thing. But it's just, you know, you just look at the math of it all and you you understand why their offensive rating is down a little bit. But there are ways, and I, I, this is not meant to be, uh, you know, an anti-Westbrook uh, podcast. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's necessarily the right fit for the Rockets. But that's established at this point they have no choice now they're building around Westbrook and Harden until they blow this thing up I think these two guys are married um, and I think now they've got to make changes around these guys um, you know they've had so much success their template was built on having three strong shooters and defenders around Harden and Capella you had the lob threat Harden's isolation his step backs set up all of his drives and kickouts and 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 lobs and floaters and everything ran through Harden. It's tough right now to see, you know, how this whole thing, this whole rocket ball template's going to change with a guy who's so ball dominant and usage is so high, but he can't shoot threes. Um, in fairness to Westbrook, he has adjusted. I mean, he's he's taking fewer threes than he has. I, mean, I think he, you know, early on, first 10, 20 games, he's taking six, seven threes a game. Uh, again, I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head on those numbers. I think he's adjusted now. I mean, in, in basically, uh, I think the last 10 games or maybe it's the last eight games, I think he shot 10 threes total. Um, and, and so, you know, he knows basically 
where he fits in here or what he's how he's trying to fit in, and that's attacking the basket relentlessly. And you're seeing his field goal percentage soar um, as a result. He's cutting out the threes, which he has been awful at, with all due respect. Um, you know, in the low 20% range. Um, and so he's he's doing what he does best. And we know that the the one elite shot that Russell Westbrook has is around the basket. So how they make and again, I should say, David, the only thing I'm concerned about with Westbrook is the minutes that Westbrook and Harden share together. I think Westbrook running a second unit, I think that's going to work out uh, over time. I think Harden, without Westbrook, I have no real concerns there. I think he's going to be able to continue to do his thing. It's the minutes that they share together. And given the, what you pay these guys, how important they are you know, to the team, their, their own personal relationship that they have, um, you know these guys have to start and end the games. And so it's a critical element of getting Harden and Westbrook to work, to complement each other. It was so easy with, with Chris Paul, whereas, you know, these guys could both play off the ball and Westbrook, it's, it's more of a struggle. Although I, I do, I do have to say though, that I think the team is on to something with what they've been trying to do in more recent games with, uh, when Harden draws the double team near half court, either they've had, uh, Russ on the wing, get the ball or um, against some of the more effective double teams on Harden, he's flashing to the top of the key. And when you get Russ four on three in open space, I think he's been doing a good job either getting to the rack or kicking to open shooters into corners. And I think the more they work on that, that's going to improve. And I think that's going to help the offense. It's just, I just think this is all a work in progress. I, I agree. Yeah, it's work in progress, not ideal, but I think they're getting better. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that assessment. Um, I do think it's a work in progress. I mean, I, I have said, you know, when you put Chris Paul in, it was plug and play instant success. Um, you know, and they went from, you know, they lost some key guys in Lou Williams and Montrez. Well, Montrez wasn't playing a whole lot, but Beverly and, and Lou Williams certainly were. Um, and, you know, it was plug and play with, with Chris Paul because they fit so well. It, it's different here. I think, you know, right now, I think you could say it's a square peg in a round hole, but I think you're going to, the, the Rockets are going to make uh, adjustments. They're going to try to make some changes in personnel around these guys to make it work better. I do feel Harden, or I should say defenses are more emboldened to, to double Harden because they can leave Westbrook alone on the outside, uh, you know, as far as three point range. I want to see, and, and you're right, he's been very effective in, uh, you know, going straight to the hoop and attacking. As long as Westbrook's attacking, you're, you have to feel good about that. I do want to see how he's going to do against Utah. You know, we haven't seen that happen uh, just yet because both those guys set out the Utah game. And the Lakers went healthy. I think, you know, the Rockets have, were always in the past with Rocketball so effective in taking some of those rim protectors out of the game. I mean, most famously, probably Rudy Gobert where they just marginalize him because they can shoot threes, um, you know, at will. And, and basically it's pick your poison. And now to get to have an effective Russell Westbrook, it has to be around the rim. Um, and we saw, you know, Gobert basically take him off of his game in a couple couple years ago in the first round. So that I want to see um, because, you know, Westbrook, like I said, has one elite shot and it's around the rim. Um, how, you know, if he's able to beat those guys, you know, the, the rim protectors, then that – certainly is going to be, you know, bow well for the Rockets. But in the past, they haven't depended so heavily on that. Uh, but again, I didn't mean to get way off on the Westbrook. I just think you have to talk about Westbrook and, and, the, and the state of the Rockets, how he's fitting to lead to what I think we want to discuss most in this podcast, and that's the trade deadline, which is this Thursday. Um, and, you know, there's already rumors floating around. We should add, before we start discussing this, that there's always rumors involving the Rockets. They're always big. And, more often than not, they basically trade a second-round pick just to get under the under the luxury tax or something, you know, that's not a significant move like we hope or we hear about leading up to it. However, the rumor right now is they're trying to trade Clint Capella. In my opinion, David, uh, moving Clint Capella makes a lot of sense. I don't think it did in the past um, as much. I was in, I, I was certainly open to it and intrigued by it when you know he struggled so much against Golden State in the playoffs. But I think now with Westbrook here, and I'll, I'll you know explain why I think that, I think it makes sense to move Capella. Um, I'll let you make your case, Dave, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but um, uh, I'm, count me in the camp that's, that's 
hesitant to, to move Capella. I, I totally understand he's not as good, uh, he's not as ideal, um, a, you know, 35 minute a game center on a team with Russell Westbrook uh, that can't, uh, space the floors effectively. Um, I just get really worried that, um, you know, if, if the team can't check all the boxes on the trade they want to, try to make moving Capella that they're going to be left with a team that's just going to get completely decimated on defense um, is not going to have any rim protector. Uh, God bless Tyson Chandler, but it looks like, you know, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't have a lot of gas left in the tank. Um, and D'Antoni, you know, despite the wishes of a lot of diehard Rockets fans, you know, D'Antoni seems to be allergic to playing Isaiah Hartenstein um, that, Unless they're getting a guy who's going to give them, you know, 80 cents on the dollar of what Clint's giving them and get um, an upgrade at the at the swing forward position, you know, a legit a legit wing with size. And all all reports are that that's what the Rockets are trying to do. They're trying to move Clint for draft picks and that they would flip to another team with the end result being they would get a center that's almost as good as Clint and a wing with size. And, you know, Daryl's got his work cut out for him. If he can, if he can pull that off, then great. But, you know, the odds are that 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 is not going to happen. Okay. Here's my theory on this. Um, I feel like, you know, against all the other teams in the league uh, last year, other than the Warriors, Capella was absolutely essential. I mean, he was, key is a lob threat, uh, defending bigs. I think what he did against Gobert and Towns a couple of years ago was fantastic. Um, you know, with the, the the stat of how good the Rockets were in 2017-18 was not just with you know when Harden and Paul played together. It was Harden, Paul, Capella. That core was 42 and three in the regular season, 11 and four in the playoffs. He's always been an essential key guy. With Westbrook here now, you now have two players out of your five in the starting lineup who can't shoot from long range. I think next level, Rockets trying to now gain an edge. They're they're becoming a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference playoff team. I don't mean middle-of-the-pack in the West, which is down at the bottom. I mean middle-of-the-pack uh, in the playoffs. Um, they've got to find an edge, something different. I think they're looking for that. I say small ball because that sounds gimmicky, but they're looking for that smaller lineup that they can run uh, against bigs as well. Like, you know, if they, if they add a Covington or they add an Iguodala or somebody who is a versatile defensive wing, they can have him as five, Tucker as five, rotate different lineups. Um, and ideally, you can still have your four shooters uh, around a guy like Westbrook. Um you know, you, you had four shooters before with Capella being the non-shooter. Now Westbrook's the non-shooter. That's my, my two cents on it. I also feel like centers, um, especially defensive centers, um, are kind of like running backs. Mm. Like, I love Clint Capella, but once you commit the, the, the big dollars to him, you know, is the difference between, you know, what you're paying him and what you're going to pay somebody you can get off of, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, a, a lower value, lower contract is the difference that great in, in play. I mean, I, I look at what they tried to do in the offseason with trying to acquire Brandon Clark, where they had a deal with Boston um, and Memphis just basically jumped in front of them. And, you know, I think it was at 22 and then 21, Memphis jumped up and got Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark would have fit beautifully here. I mean, extremely well. They would have had a four year contract that's a cheaper contract that, and then you would have had more salary, more ways to work your salary cap to get up to that luxury tax line and fill other pieces. Um, to me, I think that would have been an absolutely incredible trade. I still dream right now at this moment, David, to be honest, if that they somehow flip Capella for a pick that you could get Iguodala and Clark, I'm sure that's asking too much. I'm sure Memphis isn't going to want to move Clark, but I think somebody like that would be, a gem with the Rockets. I hear Jordan Bell might be available. Yeah, I, hey, Jordan Bell. Isn't that right there is a reclamation project. 
Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And, and, you know, a guy like Clark would be a nice fit as a, a real springy, um, small ball center who can, can also shoot. Um, it's just, uh, I get what the Rockets are trying to accomplish. And if, you know, if they can, can check both of those boxes, then, then great. But I guess I'm thinking more in terms of the likelihood of success, the additional draft capital you're going to have to use. Uh, I mean, I think the very few picks the Rockets have left to trade, they're going to have to use pretty much all of those to do what, uh, you know, what, what they're setting out to do. I think they, they're trying to extract, they're trying to squeeze every last drop of value out of Clint, uh, in, in shopping him around the league is my guess. And I'm sure the mid Super Bowl Woj bomb, um, was was probably the Rockets' attempts of, of letting the world know that uh, we really want everybody's best offers. Um, I, I just think if the odds are on, on any kind of trade, the odds are always against a particular trade happening, especially when you're trying to work three and four team scenarios where you're trying to get just enough assets from one team to flip to another team, but you all, you have to structure it all as one big trade. Um, probably very unlikely. And, you know, just me, I, I, I just as easily trade, you know, you can trade for Markeith Morris for a second round pick, take him into a trade exception. You got a, a nice, uh, forward with size. You can play some small ball five and, you know, he, he'd be, he'd be a nice addition and it's, you know, pretty easy to get a guy like that. Yeah, and they need bodies in, in the worst possible way. They are squeezing every bit out they can out of PJ Tucker and the poor guy. You know, it's just a matter of time before he breaks down because he's he's you know locking some incredible minutes and he's he, he's so key to what they do. You know, I, I'm so worried that D'Antoni is going to do to Tucker what Tom Thibodeau did to Lou Aldang. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's an interesting comparison right there. Well, you know, I, as far as Capella, you know, getting into that, I, I, I guess I just look at it like, what's the drop off from Clint Capella to Isaiah Hartenstein? And that's an extreme example, right? But what, what is the drop off? I mean, Hartenstein only played, a, a, I think, one or two significant minute games, but he's had some good games. If you're just looking for a big who's going to give you some energy, going to get some rebounds, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't look at Hartenstein and say, okay, he's going to, going to significantly slow down Gobert or Towns. Uh, like Capella has, but you know, as far as what the Rockets are doing at the pace they're playing at, I just feel like they'll be able to pick up a center somewhere out in the league. Uh, I mean, an Aaron Baines type. Well, that'd be that'd be interesting for the Rockets. But you know, somebody where they can just get a fill a role at center, so long as they're adding a significant wing um, that can. Can, can be versatile and do a lot of things that they, they hope to do. And frankly, Daniel House has had a lot of lousy games. They need somebody to take some of those minutes as well. Um, I just feel like that's the, the next step, the next uh, gen play, if you want to say, for the Rockets to, to have gain some sort of edge. Because you're seeing the entire league follow Rocket Ball's philosophy over the last five, seven years, where it's 3-3-3. Three, three, three. Now you've got to find something else, something different. I mean – how are you going to compete with the likes, you know, as far as the size of an L.A. or uh, Milwaukee? You've got to come up with something different, some sort of edge. And I think that's that's probably what they're going to do. I mean, I, I've been – I mean, you know, because we've gotten into it, that I've been a proponent of Hartenstein's from the beginning. Yeah. But, but that has been as a kind of maxing out as a potentially nice backup center. I do not see him ever being a quality starting center. Uh, but to be clear, I, really I don't, like I don't think you need a starting center. I think if you're adding, a, let's just say it's Covington, I think you they're going to stick to this. I think they're going to run this type of small ball lineup uh, more consistently, possibly right out of the gate. And I think Hartenstein is going to place, or you know, I should say not just Hartenstein. I think they would end up acquiring uh, a guy they may like at center. I don't think they're going to find anybody who's as good as or, or close to as good as Clint, but they may find somebody who fits better um, because of the, the, the new changes the Rockets have made. Um, like I said, a, a guy like Brandon Clark would fit 
wonderfully, in my personal opinion. Again, I've had some personal opinions that don't exactly work <laughs> out, and I'm sure you'll bring up Jordan Bell again. Uh, Bobby Portis might also yeah, be but hey, All the way back to Harold Miner, right? But still, <laughs> what I'm saying is um, I think that you can find somebody uh, who fits well. I mean, I, I, to me, it's a shame that you know, you've know you got to break down a successful template because you've made a trade that didn't exactly fit. You've you got a talent uh, and, and an athletic specimen in Russell Westbrook, certainly, but I don't think he fits what the Rockets have always done. Now you've got to do something different. So, so Dave, let me ask you. So the the name that that's being thrown out as the as the, the top trade target for the Rockets is Robert Covington. What do you see Covington adding to the to this team in place of Capella? And how much would you be willing to give up to get Covington, knowing that Clint's probably going to be part of that? Well, I don't, I do not like the uh, reports of two first-round picks. I would not give up two first-round picks for Covington. Um, but I, and I don't think Covington is as I think he's become uh, this symbol of like this, you know, extremely elite. Wing, I don't think that's it. I mean, this is a guy the Rockets had, and you know, when he was a rookie, let him go in order to, you know, make the whole Dwight Howard thing work out. I think that um, he would add a lot defensively. That's one of the biggest things that he'd add. He's he's got a great wingspan. He's got good defensive instincts. I think he would fit well there. He's a solid three point shooter. He was, you know, projected to be really good when he was first with the Rockets. I mean, he was he did quite well with RGV and and uh, seemed to have, you know, uh, potential there, uh, you know, right out of the gate when he played with the Rockets. But I think defensively is where he would have a huge impact. Uh, you know, same thing with, I think Iguodala obviously doesn't have quite the, the uh, he's not as efficient from long range as, as Covington could be, but, uh, you know, defensively as well. You add a guy like that, smart, good length. I mean, it, it, it's adding an Ariza type. Is what it is, and they've needed that, you know, since they lost Luke and Ariza a couple of years ago. And so I think it's adding that, and and now going full time all in on saying we're going to go small more and more and more, and and you know we're not going to try to match up and stop your bigs. You're going to have to just stop us. That that's I think their philosophy. And I, like I said, I mentioned the running back things. I think that's how they view centers now. I mean, we already know centers who can't defend. Uh, are becoming dinosaurs in the league. If you're just an offensive center, I mean, you, you, you're not fitting in. Um, I think now they're viewing a defensive center as, you know, unless it's an Embiid or something like that, you, it's hard to pay those guys. And I said, again, I think it's similar to a running back. You, once you pay 15, 20 million to the likes of, you know, um, I, just any, any of the, the big name running backs, it's, it's tough because you can get running backs right straight out of the draft that, are, are very similar or very good. It's all based on right how you uh, create holes and everything for them. Same thing, I think, with, with some of the centers in the league. You have to be really, really savvy defensively um, to set yourself apart. So w- would you swap Capella for Covington straight up? I I think I would. I mean, uh, again, I, I think this whole thing was unnecessary because of the Westbrook trade. I hate to go back to that, but I think now – I've, you know, I'm accepted. I've accepted the Westbrook trade. We're, we're, we all have. We have to move forward. I think I would. Um, I think I would trust the Rockets to, at this point, find center help. But, you know, better than they can find a guy who's an athletic wing, versatile, can shoot. That, that to me is, um, is more difficult to find. It seems right now for the Rockets. Well, I, I'm guessing Daryl's probably out there trying to see if he can get two first-round picks for Clint so he can just turn around and give those to Minnesota. Well, we know certainly that Gerson and Daryl have a great relationship, right? So if if there's a deal that's going to work out for both, they'll make it happen. I think the same thing applies to Boston uh, with Danny Ainge and Daryl. I think right now, though, the Rockets are leaking the heck out of this stuff. <laughs> I think they're trying to create a market and drive up the price. I mean, I saw Woj's report yesterday about, you know, another team that's interested in Boston Celtics. I mean, to me, I read that as, okay, the Rockets are not quite getting what they want from Atlanta. You know, time to fan the flames. I, it's simply because we've seen this, David, so many times. We, we see how they operate and how they work. It's not like the Celtics called up, uh, you know, Woj and said, you know what? 
we're also going after Clint Capella. You know, it's not it's not something they want out there. Um, so to me, that all this all has come from the Rockets, and so I, I you know have to take it with a little bit with a grain of salt, and that, that they're trying to drive a price, but um, trying to drive up the price, I should say. But I, you know, to me, I think um, they're definitely trying to move Capella because I just think they they feel if they want to succeed or take the next step forward. He's not as vital as he used to be because of the changes they've made. So if a Covington trade falls through and they can't make a move for like an Iguodala, who personally I think is, is makes way too much for, he does. Uh, for, for the, the value he'd give for half a season. Um, and, you know, those are the reported names. They're, they're going to, I'm sure, look at a couple other wings as well. Let's say that all falls through. Do you think that the Rockets might accidentally avoid the luxury tax? <laughs> I think there's nothing accidental. I know you're you're pulling your joke around there about the Rockets avoiding the luxury tax. They, I, I you know, I had actually been told, and I think um, you've heard this as well, that they're they were planning on being a tax team. But you know that this thing changes all the time. And I think if they see the op- if they're if they're right over the edge and they see the opportunity to get under the tax, they're going to do it. I mean, it makes them millions of dollars as opposed to paying out millions of dollars. Uh, they're going to do it. I would absolutely expect them to do it. I think it sort of, this sort of leads to the segue right now. I think a lot of fans right now are on edge uh, about Tillman Fertitta and his ownership and his, you know, two years that he's been the owner. Um, and I, I'm planning on writing about this, but I think that there's, there's numerous cases where if in a vacuum you, you look at, um, a single move they make, and you're like, okay, that makes sense. I, I don't, I don't fault them for that. That, 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 that works. I understand. But you put it all together, and they've hurt the bottom line for this team. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you could point to, you know, the the Westbrook trade in general. I mean, imagine David if they had gotten Jeremy Grant. How if and just because of that, and you pointed it out before the trade. Hey, you know, they can take up to around ten million dollars in salary. Grant fit that perfectly. If they had taken Grant right now as well and given up those picks for Westbrook, we may complain a little bit about the whole Westbrook-Paul fit, but we would say, you know what, at least we got Jeremy Grant out of this deal because he's fitting wonderfully. I mean, I think he does fit wonderfully in whatever the Rockets have always tried to do. So, you know, there's a lot of instances where they, they've saved money and it, it's backfired long term on them. They haven't had the salary to make trades. They haven't had... Uh, or you know, they they don't have the asset that they need just to, on the court to play, uh, you know, for uh, having Daniel House sit and they basically were tied, um, you know, in the standings and would have changed their seating. Lots of things um, that it's adding up. And I think Tillman needs to understand that fans now are, are very savvy. They understand what, um, you know, why the team makes these moves. Um, there's no reason to give up first round pick for Iman Shumpert without, you know, this being some sort of tax move. Um, and so I think people are looking at this, this trade deadline. And if he does nothing more than just cut costs in order to get under the tax, uh, there's going to be uh, a lot of angry fans. And, and, and I totally get it. And, you know, I, I, I'm with you that I think that you can look at each of the moves and they make you know, they're, they're, they're all fiscally prudent. Right. Um, you know, I, I did not have a problem with them ducking the tax last year. I thought, um, the amount of money they were going to save was just, it was, they really saved a ton of money dumping Brandon Knight. And at the time, I think they honestly believed that Schumpert was going to give them more than he gave them. Um, so I think that the team probably viewed that is a more of a positive basketball move than it ended up being. Although we all know it was luxury tax driven first and foremost. Um, this year, it, it looks like they're really trying to make a real basketball move with the Clint Capella going after Covington and and all this. That I, I really do think they're trying to make a basketball move. Now, the fact that they'll probably lower team salary in the process is not a a coincidence. But um, if their basketball trades fall through, as they almost always do, um, I fully expect this team to move Nene at the deadline. Yeah. Hope, 
hopefully just with cash. It, it maybe they have to use one of their second round picks. They only have a couple second round picks they can use. Uh, they may have to use one of those to dump Nene. I'm, and, I'm sure you know how many of them they do have left. They they have two right now that <laughs> okay. they that they can are that are available to trade up to like um, 2030 or. <laughs> um, and even then, I'd be very disappointed. But even then, it would be somewhat defensible that they are pushing that repeater tax clock out another year to ensure that they're not paying repeater tax in the last year of the Harden Westbrook era or at least the last year of their current contracts. Um, now, if they do that, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of <laughs> understand that the, the, there was the financial motivation and be fine, but they're really going to need to commit to spend starting next year. And, you know, we'll really see their true colors of the, of ownership if the team doesn't, doesn't spend into the tax next year. Yeah, you know, it's this is a really interesting debate for me or, or, you know, just the whole discussion. Because on one hand, right, I mean, Les Alexander, his whole time, his whole tenure being the Rockets owner, you know, since the luxury tax was implemented, was avoiding the luxury tax for the most part. And so he he's not getting as bad a rap as – he never got as bad a rap as Tillman is. But there's a difference here. I mean – you know, we talk about James Harden as, you know, the MVP. We feel he has been, you know, for the last five years, whatever whatever it's been. And we talk about him as one of the greatest players in the, in the league. This is his time. And if you're not going to pay the luxury tax now around him, whenever are you going to? Um, that's, I think, my, my concern overall with Tillman is, is you know, I, I don't fault – I really – I generally don't fault, um, you know, the owner for – avoiding the luxury tax because I understand it and that, you know, it gives some flexibility. You don't want to like just jump over the luxury tax and then, you know, next thing you know, you can't get under and, you know, you're, you're end up taking, taking some garbage contracts. But I mean, you look at guys, you know, elite players who have won titles or have pushed for titles. I mean, teams generally go over the tax to give them that chance. Uh, and right now I think that they've passed up a few opportunities to, to jump, you know, five, 10 million over that luxury tax line and give the Rockets a better chance. Now it's not, you know, adding the Wilt Chamberlain type as Les always used to say, or Michael Jordan, or you know, getting some superstar and then you pay the tax. I mean, it's it's obviously easy for the Golden State Warriors during the Durant run to say, yeah, we're going to pay the tax because we just got Kevin Durant. It's a little tougher when you're trying to say, okay, we'll go ahead and re-sign Trevor Ariza. It's a little different. So I, I understand it. It's just that you know this is this is the time, if if any, he's that he's going to do it, and I think. Um, you know, that he should do it. And that that's the, the tough call that he has to make. Yeah. I mean, in, in fairness to ownership, this is the same owner that paid Chris Paul a massive, massive contract, even though I think anyone with half a brain knows that that was, that was agreed to before he became the owner. And he but wasn't he, happy about it. I mean, there, he was never happy about having to do that. But, but, but the, the contract was, was given nonetheless, uh, nonetheless honored. I should and, say. Yeah. And he, uh, and is the same owner who as, as bad a trade as you and I both think it was from a, from a, a draft compensation standpoint, took on a contract with another $47 million on, on an extra year on the tail end and Russell Westbrook that, that Chris Pauls did not have. So when it comes to the big stars, these are two examples of major, major, major financial outlays. It's the rest of the roster where we'd like to see the, you know, the, the, that, that fifth, that fifth, sixth, seventh man, you know, making a higher salary, get a higher quality player that, that I think a lot of the fans really want. But at the top of the roster, they, they have shelled out big money. Yeah. You know, you know, on Capella, and we haven't talked about even about the Atlanta possibility because they are rumored as well to be involved. You know, with Capella, though, the, you know, we, I, I talked about the reason, I think, on the court that it, it makes some sense. I think you've talked about the salary. I, but I, you just look at it as the only logical salary they can move. You, you tweeted about the fact that the Rockets can't move or can't trade Eric Gordon until next season. Uh, I believe it's the same on Chris Clemens, which I didn't know that until I saw your tweet about it. Um, and, you know, they can't move those guys right now for salary. They can possibly move uh, Gordon in, in the offseason. 
Capella is the other significant salary. You've got the four big chunks, if you want to call it that. I mean, obviously, uh, Westbrook and Harden eat up the majority of, if you want to say there's a finite amount that they'll spend up to the luxury tax line, the majority of that is eaten by uh, Westbrook and Harden. And you've got the next two big pieces are Capella and Gordon. And I think you're hoping that Gordon's vital. I think he's he struggled before the surgery. He seems to be playing overall a little bit better since he's been back. Capella, you know, the numbers just bear out that he hasn't had that impact uh, that he's had in the past on, on the court because of the, the different structure. So um, I, I just think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, you, got, you know, I talked about um, Brandon Clark. I would love to have Brandon Clark here. I think if it was Atlanta, since I'm still dreaming and talking about young prospects, DeAndre Hunter is a guy I would love to see uh, on the Rockets. Again, I don't know necessarily if Atlanta or Boston is looking at you know trading any kind of significant player. Um, I think they're just it's more of a pick type of deal, and the Rockets are looking to take back take on less salary. Um, but that that certainly, I think that's a guy who has that kind of three and D potential as well. Yeah, no, I, I really like a DeAndre Hunter. I just I strongly doubt that Atlanta, who just gave up a bunch of draft picks to move up in the draft to number four to take Hunter, is going to move him for a center. Um, yeah, I'd be shocked. Uh, I know people are throwing out Hunter. Some are throwing out Cam Reddish. I don't think they're going to sell low on Reddish. Um, even John Collins. I mean, I know that that's been a name that's been widely reported. Um See, I felt like Hunter was more likely than Collins. I mean, Hunter Hunter's two years further away from free agency, so um, and I think Collins and and maybe I'm being overly harsh on Collins, uh, who's a great offensive player and would offensively make the Rockets just a, a dynamo um, offensive unit. Uh, I've not been impressed with this defense at all, and. Probably would not uh, would not help the defensive rating much. I think they they would desperately have to outscore the opponent in order to win games. If you if you swap Capella for Collins, um, but even then, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure that, that that Atlanta is even interested in moving Collins because yeah, he puts up big numbers. But then again, you know Atlanta has had a historically awful defense, and and Collins. You know, I know he was out with the PED suspension, but I don't think he's uh, he's exactly helped their their defense. You know, it's interesting. And this is going to sound off topic, but it, it it does it is related. I actually had this conversation with um, you know just different media guys and you know Tim McMahon, Craig Ackerman, those uh, you know before uh, games and discussing this in today's NBA. How many players in the entire league can you think of that cannot shoot threes or ineffective at it? and don't play defense very well or subpar defenders, and, and this is a, tied into the Collins thing, and are impacting winning in a big way. And, and this is mainly, this came from Russell Westbrook, you know, talking about how he's really not a, a he's probably in a below average defender and he um, can't shoot threes. And so Westbrook maybe is your argument. Maybe maybe he's impacting winning, but how, you know, really how many are there? We, we came up with like Montrezl Harrell possibly, uh, I haven't really, I don't know quite enough about how DeMontis Sabonis is playing this year defensively. I, I don't, I really don't know. Um, I, you know, I know he doesn't shoot threes, but like, there's really not many guys who can't do both, right? I mean, Ben Simmons, uh, you know, can't shoot threes, but he's a brilliant defender. Uh, so that's not necessarily a good example. Obviously Giannis has been improving as a three point shooter. And so, so those guys or anybody who can't do just one of them, um, they can get away by leaning onto the other. So, you know, I, I always look at that anytime we're looking at a player or, you know, that, that you mentioned Collins or somebody that they're thinking about acquiring is if they can't do both of those things, I'm not sure that they're going to fit with the Rockets as far as impacting winning. He is a 34% three-point shooter this year. Okay. See, I, I mean, that's, yeah, slightly below average, but, like, I, is his volume there? I don't know. I haven't studied uh, Collins enough to be totally honest with you, but um, – Anyway, it just it just when I thought about that taking away those two things, like it, it does kind of show you how today's NBA has changed. If you can't do those things, it's certainly tougher to have an impact in today's league. Yeah, no, agreed. I think uh, if they could find a floor spacing center that could also play defense, uh, it'd be great. Although I don't know why the other team would trade them. Yeah, um, you know, as, as far as Capella, we talked about Atlanta and Boston as well. 
do you see any other possible targets out there? We, I think we talked about a couple of them at, uh, you know, this past summer when he was being kicked around Orlando. Uh, any other teams in your opinion make sense to you? I mean, I've heard that they're talking, that they were talking to Sacramento. I mean, just reading the trade rumors like everybody else. I mean, it, but even then, I think that Sacramento would probably be looking to swap, uh, Dwayne Dedman, who, you know, in and of, in and of itself, you know, Dwayne Dedman would be a nice fit on this team because I think he's got decent range and he's a pretty good defender, but has woefully underperformed and has a contract that's almost as big as Clint's and is not nearly as good as Clint this year. Um, you know, maybe Capella for Deadman and, and a pick. Um, but even I, I don't see how that fits with the lower team salary because if they're going to swap, turn that pick around and try to add another higher salaried player, you're, you're probably increasing payroll more than the powers that be probably want to. Yeah. Um, they've got some, some tough games coming up. They've got the Lakers. Uh, they've got, they're coming back home to face the, the Jazz. Celtics as well. Then they they play the Jazz again. So we're going to see that we're going to get that big test uh, against the Lakers, against the Jazz, as far as how Westbrook fits, uh, you know, attacking the basket rather than just spreading the floor with all these shooters um, against a, an elite rim protector. I mean, he's going to go up against Anthony Davis, assuming health, and Rudy Gobert as well. And so those are going to be big tests. But they've got some tough games coming up. I don't know if you know necessarily. What else they need to acquire at the trade deadline? I think a center to replace Clint, not necessarily a starting center, but just somebody who can fill that role, um, and a significant wing player. That's uh, I'm glad at least that's the report that they're targeting. Hopefully they can add um, you know that type of guy. It's it's encouraging that apparently the, you know there's reports that the Warriors are not going to trade D'Angelo Russell because I felt like Covington was was almost destined to end up in Golden State. Uh, you know, as they get ready for next year where he fits better around those, uh, you know, stars of Golden State than a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who needs the ball to be more effective, does. So I think it's a good news if they if uh, Gerson decides to move Covington, you know, right now at this deadline, knowing he can't get D'Angelo Russell, at least not right now. Agreed. Agreed. I, I'm personally I'm, I'm fine with D'Angelo Russell. So being on the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> right. Same. Absolutely same. I mean, like I just it just didn't. Uh, I mean, I, I like D'Angelo Russell. I don't get me wrong. I just him going to the Warriors to me is, is I don't want to say similar to Westbrook uh, coming to the Rockets. I just feel like he's bottom line is he's not going to improve them overall. Uh, he, offensively. He, he's a hat on a hat. Right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. He just it, it, to me, it's. Um, it's it's not a, it, it, he doesn't necessarily play off the ball against those uh, with those guys and fit in beautifully like Clay does for example so we'll see but uh, yeah I mean I think that's you know I think we've pretty much covered it as far as uh, what we're missing I, I do think I, I should say before we go I am a little worried about Mike D'Antoni's future I think um, the next logical step as well we're talking about the, the evolution of the Rockets needing to change based on you know what they've the, the the moves they've made and how they've changed their personnel. I think the next logical step is um, is hiring a new coach this offseason. I think probably a defensive-minded coach. Now, granted, we said that four years ago, and then they hired D'Antoni. But I think now when you've got two players in Westbrook and Harden who are offenses unto themselves, you know, and they're probably going to run the offense unto themselves anyway. They're not going to necessarily run some sort of motion offense or, or you know, super-structured scheme. I think you've got to have a coach that gets them to buy in defensively. And again, I do not, I'm not here saying D'Antoni needs to go. Never have I said that. I think if anything, he's a casualty of, of, of the move, similar to when they acquired, when they traded Marion for Shaq uh, a long time ago with the Suns and just didn't quite fit the style. I think now they're going to, they're going to have to change. I think they're going to have to become more of a defensive team and let the uh, explosive talents that they that they have, uh, offensively do their own thing. Well, I think if you have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and no Clint Capella, you're off to a great start on the defensive end. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, don't get me wrong. If you're trying to build nothing but a defense, it would be nice to have Capella. But I think, uh, you know, if you're adding – I mean, if you're moving Capella, the hope is that you're getting a defensive wing or somebody who's impacting your defense even more. Um I just I don't think at the pace they're playing and the style they're playing that 
that Capella fits that quite as well. I've never I've never looked at, at Capella as a true rim protector. I think he's more of a a springy, uh, athletic, long guy who can do some of that. But I don't think he's you know got that Joakim Noah you know incredible IQ and awareness of exactly where to be at all times. I think he's just um, you know a, a good rebounder, a pretty good post defender. Um, can help out in a pinch. I, I just don't see him impacting the game, uh, impacting the defense as completely protecting the rim. Fair enough. So, Dave, what's your prediction? I do think they trade Capella. I think they trade him. I, I, I feel it would have been easier to do it in the offseason when, when teams have cap space. And if you wanted to, you know, again, I think the, the perfect trade would have been the Brandon Clark trade. I think it, I would have tipped my hat to Daryl Morey after what I – you know, uh, I couldn't stand the Westbrook trade, and obviously criticized it heavily. I would have absolutely said this is a gem move, um, a typical Daryl move where you move out a more expensive contract and you get that cost-controlled piece that possibly has more of an impact on your team. Um, I, I mean, I'm dreaming, but I would still love to. I would trade two first-round picks for Iguodala and Clark if they could. If they could do a three-way deal to make that happen where one of the picks that they're sending Capella to goes to them and then the Rockets trade their own first-round pick this season, I'm good with that. I think getting Clark along with Iggy, you know, for Iggy's just a one-year rental, fills your gap in basically multiple positions and gives guys like P.J. even more of a rest. Um, I would do that that deal because Clark gives you that long-term – upside and fills an important role at a very low price. And we know that's going to be important with Tillman Fertitta. We know that's going to be important. Matter of fact, that's what's frustrating about trading these future picks is because these are cost-controlled pieces. Um, I mean, you know that a first-round pick is going to have four years at a certain price, um, and so it's a little bit frustrating. And because of that, I don't think you're going to be able to acquire Clark, but I think that would be ideal, and we know the Rockets love uh, Clark, what they see in, in him, and he's done nothing uh, in his first 40 to 50 games to diminish that. So, so you think Clint actually does get traded? I do, I do. I think this is this is for real this time. I, uh, you know, they've burned me many times before, but I do think Clint is going to end up getting traded. Okay. <laughs> now, Are you saying I'm, no or count me count me skeptical? Okay. Count, count me skeptical. I, I mean, it certainly could happen. And and after the the Woj bomb during the Super Bowl, I think the odds went from very small to quite probable. But again, like I said, odds of any trade happening are extremely small and. You know, it gun to my head. I had to pick one scenario that actually played out. I, I'd have to say that that, like they always say, they were close on a big trade and then it fell through at the last minute, and uh, and then they end up dumping Nene, dropping below the tax. Maybe they get a buyout guy that helps them, and they and they avoid the luxury tax this year. You know, I, I think I think trading Capella has been sort of that you know, super smart ahead of the game play that they've had in the back of their mind for a while. Because I, again, not somebody who knew anything. I'm not, not saying that the Rockets were trying to trade him for Drummond. I'm not saying that at all, but I did have somebody come up to me and, and ask me what my thoughts on that would be and saying, Hey, I have, you know, there's no knowledge of it, but what would you do? Would you do that? You know, would you trade Capella for Drummond because Drummond can do this and that? And I said, not just no, but hell no, I would, I don't like uh, Andre Drummond for the Rockets at all. But, um, you know, I think trading Clint has been um, probably the plan for a while. Um, and we know it was in the offseason, right? That they certainly were were exploring that. I I don't know what why the timing of the leak is, other than to try to drive up the price at a little bit of desperation before Thursday. But I, I think that they're I think they're serious about it this time because I think this is a this is a huge opportunity, David. This is like. This season should have been the year. I mean, it's, it's a little. I get frustrated a little. Think about about it because, you know, that they built this team, and at least in the West, they could beat everybody except the Warriors. And this is the year the Warriors imploded. Durant leaves, everybody else gets injured. They're out of the equation. And so, you know, this is a year of Harden's prime. Westbrook's still in his prime, or certainly, you know, right there, tail end, if you want to say, if, uh, starting the tail end, if you're going to say anything. 
So this is the year that they should win. This is, it's not a long-term project, in my opinion. This is a year they, they need to contend, and right now they've, I would say, have been a, a disappointment. So, so you think that there's a they have something that they're willing to accept and are just now trying to see if they can do better? No, I, no that I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm purely speculating on that. I just think that they are trying to – if not create a market for Capella, they're trying to build a bigger one. I don't understand why they would leak out to Eastern Conference teams. I mean, it just seems like maybe they're just trying to get a bunch of other Eastern Conference teams involved, saying, "Hey, well, you know, if he's going to trade them to the to the Celtics, or you know, then that impacts us, or or I don't know." But I but there's definitely a strategy to the Rockets leaking this, and I I just think that they're I do end up thinking they're going to trade Capella because. I don't see the Rockets contending right now. I don't see them as contenders as is. They have to make a significant addition, and they can't do that as handcuffed as they are right now, given the salaries where they are. Um, you know, just getting a Markeef would Morris would be a help, but I don't see that as being you know the team what's going to put them over the top against a, a team like Milwaukee if they were to face a Milwaukee. I think even last year with Chris Paul the Rockets needed to make some upgrades to compete with Milwaukee. The year before, the 2017-18 Houston Rockets, I think wins the West this year and competes with Milwaukee. Last year's team was a little bit different without Ariza putting in house. They didn't have Mabamute. So I think um, this year's team, maybe they can win some series against a lot of these teams. I mean, they've beaten the, the Clippers two out of three it's hard to gauge how they, they measure up against the Lakers, but it wasn't encouraging within the first game without um, Anthony Davis. I just don't see them as a championship contending team right now. And they've got to make changes. Well, well, I guess let's just hope they can, they can get, find the market that they're trying to create here. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I, I think, uh, you know, it's good to know that there's, there's teams out there that are interested in Clint. I think at worst case scenario, he will get moved in the off season. Uh, and I say a worst case scenario, like I'm trying to dump Clint Capella off completely. I just think that's the, the, the move they're going to make to try to become a, a different team because the math isn't working right now. Uh, and they've got to come up with some sort of way to increase uh, their offensive rating, decrease their defensive rating. And, you know, right now I think that's probably the next step in their evolution. I'm hard to disagree <laughs> with that. Well, anything else you want to talk about before we, we close? Um, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll do this again. In six uh, months? Uh, in a few days. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we tend to do these in bunches. We may, we may get back together yeah. after the trade deadline and see what's available on the buyout market because, uh, you know, color me pessimistic, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic about a big trade and, and, we we may be turning our hopes to the to the buyout market when uh, uh, when we'll see guys that that might actually help them in the playoffs and we just won't know what the what that crop is until after the trade yeah. deadline. Yeah, um, I, I think they'll end up getting somebody um, that can help them. I, I would love to, I I still would love to see them end up getting a wing player via trade and then adding um, you know somebody else that can help them on the buyout market. I th- one of the things they're lack they're just lacking guys they can trust in the rotation. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I you know I I like House. I was extremely discouraged by his his performance in the Warrior series. I feel like he was unplayable, which is mind boggling to me. Um, but he became unplayable against the Warriors. I think you can upgrade that spot. Um, I, I think McLemore has been a pleasant surprise, so I'm good keeping Ben McLemore. I think that's been a nice Daryl Morey-esque pickup. Um, but really, outside of that, and they need Gordon, like I said, to step up, but they just they haven't had enough pieces that they can trust, and as a result, so much of this is on P.J. Tucker. I feel for P.J. I mean, he's lost Ariza and, and Chris Paul and now may lose Capella. I mean, like, and... and you know, they're, you're, they're still expecting to be a strong defense. I, I mean, that's a lot on PJ for a guy who, when he signed here for the MLE, was, you know, coming off the bench. And now he's like their defensive anchor and possibly their best spot up catch and shoot three point shooter. So 
uh, it's hard to believe, but that's kind of like what his role has become so vital. And he's gone from, you know, the, the namesake of the, the novelty tuck wagon lineup to he literally is Chuck Hayes yeah. now. No, it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, it, it's true. I mean, and I think that's frankly what they're, what they're looking at rolling with. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, right now, I, I'm not convinced Clint Capella plays again with the, with the Rockets. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just sit him until a deal. Um, because of this heel injury, again, I may be, uh, you know, overreacting, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think, you know, so much of what made that 2017-18 Rockets team was their defense, and everybody bought in, and everybody could switch, and there, were, there was all this versatility, and that's gone now. And, you know, like I said, Ariza's gone, Paul's gone, mute has gone, and possibly Capella's gone soon, and so... You're going to be a, a different style team. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if Tucker was eventually moved. I'm not talking about this season. I'm, just, I'm saying, uh, you know, eventually with with um, some some time still left on his deal because, you know, now everything that you did to, to succeed in the past is different now because you've, you're not just Harden running that show. It's Harden and Westbrook, and it's a, it's a different animal. Yep. <laughs> well, that's David Weiner, man. Thanks so much for joining us. And you can follow him on Twitter at Beamathug. And same thing on the Clutch Fans forums at Beamathug. Uh, it's been there since 1999, man. He's one of the OGs. And uh, David, thanks so much for doing this. Love it as always, Dave. We'll, 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 I'll catch you on the other side of the trade deadline.